0: The Old Testament lesson for this Christmas Eve service is from Isaiah, the seventh chapter, and this is the promise that God gives to his people that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary, to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for the Holy Gospel, for our Savior Jesus Christ, we rise to hear the Gospel. The Holy is according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, a very Merry Christmas to all of you. God's grace, mercy, and peace is yours, given to you by your God. It's a gift given to you through Jesus Christ, His Son, our Saviour. The text that I have chosen for this evening's message is taken from Luke chapter 1. It actually takes us all the way back nine months prior to the birth of Jesus Christ. That day when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and and announced to her that she would be with child and that she would give birth to the Son of God. And so listen to these words from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our newborn King. Susan Boyle. Do you remember her? I'd almost forgotten about Susan until her story appeared on my Facebook video feed, as I was actually beginning to prepare this message. Just to refresh your memory, Susan Boyle appeared on Britain's Got Talent back in April 2009. As Susan took center stage to share her talent, the audience and the judges smirked, they chuckled, and they rolled their eyes. One spectator even let out a loud and unpleasant wolf whistle. When Jesus told, or when Susan told the judges that she aspired to be a professional singer as successful as Elaine Page, there was cynical snorts and contemptuous sighs. Why this reaction by the audience and judges? Because Susan Boyle was a 47-old, frumpy-looking spinster who lived with her cat and confessed that she had never been kissed. Susan was rather chubby, with a squashed face, unruly teeth, and unkept hair. Susan was the kind of person that we walk by on the street and we never notice. But when Susan began to sing... I dreamed a dream from Les Miserables. And as she sang, the audience and the judges were transfixed and they were transformed. And by the time that she was concluding her song, the crowd was standing and they were giving her a standing ovation. Some even had tears coming down their cheeks. Pierce Morgan, one of the judges, called her performance stunning. And the biggest surprise I've had in over three years of this show Amanda Holden, one of the other other judges, commented, I'm so thrilled because I know that everyone was against you. I honestly think we were all being very cynical, and this is the biggest wake-up call ever. And I just want to say that it was a complete privilege listening to that. Since that day, Susan Boyle has gone on to sell millions of records. She has performed for the Queen." and for one of the popes, and she has performed world long, worldwide alongside some of the biggest stars. When Mary's son entered center stage on that eventful night many centuries ago, he didn't look like much either. If you've seen one newborn, you've probably seen them all, unless, of course, it's your own child or your grandchild, and then, of course, it's all unique but his umbilical cord needed to be snipped the mucus in his nostrils needed to be aspirated a bath was in order to wash off the blood and the uterine fluids that coated his body his skin was probably a little bit scaly maybe he was even a little bit jaundiced his puff of black hair was like that of most other jewish newborns and he was exhausted this little baby Jesus was exhausted by his vigorous struggle through the birth canal into this world. And he was hungry as his lips searched for his mother's breast. Jesus certainly didn't look like the Son of the Most High. The Son of God? Hardly. And yet the angel had announced to Mary nine months earlier, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Another angel, possibly the same messenger from heaven, appeared to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born and proclaimed, fear not, for behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy which is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And St. John says in his gospel of this newborn, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Many people smirk. Many people chuckle. Many people roll their eyes at the angel's message. Cynical snorts and contemptuous sighs greet the birth of the Christ child Many scoff this infant is your God But kings have been known to rise to their feet when choirs sing hallelujah to this newborn King Skeptics have become his servants his critics have become his most effective apologists And millions upon millions of people down through the ages have worshipped him and they continue to worship the Christ child. And Jesus receives this adoration and worship from people around the world because when we begin to hear our Savior sing, when we begin to experience his love, the love that he has for us, we experience a love that transfixes us and transforms us. During this Advent season, I've preached a sermon series entitled, The Mask God Wears. And I've told the following story a couple times, and so I apologize to some of you who've heard me tell this story a couple times. But it's a story about me walking around with my mask on at Meijer. And as I was wandering around in the meat section with my mask on, someone greeted me saying, Hello, Pastor, how are you doing? And I looked at that person that masked person. And then then it dawned on me who they were. And I responded, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize you with your mask on. Tonight we look into the face of the Christ child and we exclaim, Oops, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't recognize you with your mask on. Martin Luther said, I know of no God but this one in the manger. That person lying in the manger is both man and God, essentially, not separated one from another, but is born of a virgin. If you separate them saying he is not God, but only a man, or that he's only man and not God, the joy is gone. O thou boy lying in the manger, you are truly God who created me, and you will not be wrathful with me because you come to me in this loving way. A more loving way cannot be imagined. Jesus, the son of Mary, is the mask that God wears. He may not look like much, but Mary's son is the son of the Almighty. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But why? Why does God think it necessary for him to wear a mask as he relates to us? Max Lucado writes, the God of the universe kicked against the wall of a womb. He was born into the poverty of a peasant and spent the first night in the feed trough of a cow. The Word became flesh and lived among us. The God of the universe left the glory of heaven and moved into the neighborhood, our neighborhood. And could, who could have imagined that he would do such a thing? And why? Because he loves to be with the ones He loves. We finite human beings that we are cannot look upon God's face in all of its glory and majesty and live. How can we possibly embrace or even begin to comprehend the God who extends beyond the heavens? I mean, for heaven's sake, who created the heavens? How can we sinful people that we are stand in the presence of a holy and righteous God? We can't. And so God comes to us God, in his love for us, puts on a mask, and he appears to us in human form as the baby Jesus. An infinite God in all of his power and glory, I personally cannot relate to, but a baby cradled in my arms, that God I can embrace. Max Lucato recounts a remarkable story of love in his book Next Door Savior, as told by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. A man had been injured in a fire while attempting to save his parents from a burning house. He couldn't get to them and they perished. His face was burned and disfigured. He mistakenly interpreted this pain as God's punishment. The man wouldn't let anyone see him, including his own wife. She went to Dr. Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon, for help. And he told the woman not to worry. I can restore his face. The wife was unenthused. Her husband had repeatedly refused any help. And she knew that he would do so again. Why then her visit? I want you to disfigure my face so I can be like him. If I can share in his pain, then maybe he will let me back into his life. Dr. Maltz was shocked. He denied her request, but was so moved by this woman's love that he went to speak with her husband. And knocking on the man's bedroom door, he called out loudly, I'm a plastic surgeon, and I want you to know that I can restore your face there was no response please come out again there was no response and still speaking through the door Dr. Maltz told the man of this wife's proposal she wants me to disfigure her face to make her face look like yours in the hope that you will let her back into your life that's how much she loves you there was a brief moment of silence And then ever so slowly, the doorknob began to turn. God's Son did something similar, but on a grander, more universal, more significant scale. In order to have you and me back in His life, He actually disfigured Himself for us. You see, he—you see we have inherited a disease from our parents called sin, and it's 100% fatal. It mars and it disfigures us so that we can no longer perfectly reflect the image of God. Our sin creates a divide between God and us. But God lovingly chose to wear the mask of human flesh, not only for our safety, but also for our eternal well-being. The angel announced to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. God's Son put on a mask, a mask of flesh, so that He might be disfigured by our sin. Yes, Jesus shared in our pain. He made our sin His own, enduring the judgment and the condemnation of His Father for our sin on the cross of Calvary. This thought is expressed in the Christian hymn which we just sung moments ago. What child is this? Stanza 2. Why lies he that is the Son of God? Why lies he in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here the silent word is pleading. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. And you see, this is love. That's what John says, isn't it, in our epistle lesson. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation, a sacrifice, a payment for our sins. Yes, Jesus, our Savior, died because of our sin, promising you and me and all the people of this world, that He forgives us for our sin. He rose from the dead, promising everlasting life to everyone who trusts in Him as their Savior. And these are the primary reasons why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we observe Jesus' birth annually. Because He is the antidote. He's the solution to sin and death. It's been a very unusual season. Normally, December is a festive time of the year with company parties and school concerts and church pageants and the like. But this most wonderful time of the year has been a little bit reserved. The experiences of 2020 have put a damper on our faith, on our hope, on our joy. We all carry with us wounds, some of them open hurting. We all have some scars. And as a result of COVID-19 or a critical illness or some other serious life-changing event, anxieties and fears abound in our hearts and in our minds. And in some cases, they rule our lives and they dictate our behavior. In some cases, Families and workplaces and communities are divided and judgments are made and grudges are held and resentments grow over how to best address the pandemic. All the weddings and the fan reunions and proms and graduations and school attendance and recitals and concerts have been canceled or scaled back or converted into Zoom formats. We're all experiencing a variety of emotions, frustration. Sadness, anger, and a longing for what was because the ordinary is no longer ordinary. Many of us are bruised by a brutal, mean spirited election that illustrates the growing divide between fellow citizens here in the United States. Grief and regret permeate the hearts of many because they didn't get to properly say goodbye to their loved one who died. And they miss them at this time of year. Well, really throughout the year. And some struggle financially and some ponder what their purpose in life is since they've been unemployed for months. And there's still so much uncertainty. We wonder what really will await us in 2021. Well, the fact that God became a human being testifies to the truth that God is not aloof or indifferent or hard-hearted to our particular predicament. Instead, he understands our wounds. He understands our scars and our anxieties. He understands our frustrations and our anger and our fears and our sadness He understands our regrets and our sorrow. He understands all of the other emotions and struggles that we're going through and experiencing because, you see, God shares our humanity. He is one of us. And He loves to be near the ones He loves. And He invites us, He invites you and me to lay our sins and all of our burdens at his cradle, at his cross, at his crypt. For then we will have peace with God. There we will have hope for the present and the future. And there we will have joy in the midst of all the circumstances of life. The angel said, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Yes, joy. For unto you, yes, you, all of you, is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Martin Luther says, stop speculating about the Godhead and climbing into the heavens to see who or what or how God is. Instead, hold on to this man Jesus. For He is the only God we've got. Friends, don't let the mask God's Son wears cause you to roll your eyes and make snap judgments about His ability to be your Savior. Instead, listen to Jesus sing to you in His Word. Ponder the love that God has for you, a love so great that He would become a man so that He might suffer and die in your place for your sin. Rejoice in the resurrection from the dead and His promise that whoever believes in Him will live with Him forever. And as you listen to Him sing, You might just find yourself rising to your feet in respect for all that He's done for you. You may find yourself kneeling in humble repentance for sins committed and confessing that you've been too quick to push Him out of your life. You may find adoration growing in your heart for the Christ child causing you to break forth in song with millions of others who worship and adore Him, singing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King." And you may just find yourself exciting, excitedly inviting others to come to Bethlehem and see Him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore Him on bended knee for Christ the Lord, the newborn King, has arrived in this world. It's in His name that we can truly have a joyful Christmas this year. Amen. Let us pray. O Savior, child of Mary, who felt our human woe. O Savior, King of glory, who does our weakness know. Bring us at length, we pray, to the bright courts of heaven and to the endless day. Amen.